Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin is not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast on We Are Cabin. There are not many podcasts, Paul, lately that we're, we're starting to lose the run of exactly what we're doing. Um, I, I was about to say diehards, but of course, this is McAvoy Super Value on where we look back over the weekend's action in the Hotel Kilmore Intermediate Championship quarterfinals. And we'll also be bringing you the proactive risk control team of the week. Um, interesting weekend, I suppose. No massive upsets in the in the quarterfinals, Paul. It was as expected or as predicted almost perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I know Killing Care, but if you went by the bookies' odds, didn't have much of a chance against Butler's Bridge. But I know a lot of people fancied Killing Care coming into it. A lot of people had them backed, and uh, I would have backed them myself. I just didn't get backing them in time. But at eleven to four, I thought that was too big, and so approved because they didn't win it. But the the Played a lot better than you'd expect from an 11 to 4 shot. But yeah, yeah, I suppose, again, you would have had people uh, fancying Beltorbit there, but Balnia had the, had the psychological edge from the week before, maybe, and they confirmed their superiority there. No, there was no there was no major upsets in it, but uh, a lot of very good games in it. Definitely was. We'll, we'll start off with the first of them, and to go through our predictions as well, um, Friday night in Kingspan, Breffney, Ballyhays against Coothill Celtic. You went for the draw on this one. I went for Ballyhays, so I'm one up on you. Yeah, that was, that was one of my worst calls of the whole season. I'm just getting desperate. <laughs> I, I expected I expected more from Coothill, uh, to be honest. But ba- and Ballyhays, I just thought maybe I was reading too much into Kingscourt against Mullahorn, where they had played some of the weaker teams in the group stage and were running up big wins. I thought maybe... Uh, it might just take them a while if they come up against a better side who are, who are sort of primed for this. Even I know Mullahorn weren't hectic, but they were primed for the quarterfinal, and I thought Hill would be as well. But their senior experience, you'd expect a lot more. But you know, the, the, especially in the backline, there's a combination of of uh, experienced players like Barry McGahan and then very young players in the backline who are just out of under seventeen or. 17 or 18 years of age. Ian Farley is literally under 18, like so. Yeah, so you're, were, it was a big ask to go, to go in against a forward line with so much quality in it on that bad head side. Players who have who have been dominant at this level before, like Stephen Smith, David Brady, who's played at county level, Kevin Tierney, who's played at county level, did, did so much quality up front. And that was really what it came down to. I know that bad heads were thinking before the game that that they were wary of Cahill, but they, they were confident that that you know their forward line if they could get enough ball to them could do do damage against any defence and that's really how it proved. Like you know, you have to hand it to Bally Hayes. They've won five in a row now and they've they got had a tough game against Coo Collins, but they won it with a wee bit to spare. And now they've now they're just steamrolling teams. Yeah, and and 
like the, the beauty of the Ballyhays outfit is all that experience, as you said, Stephen Smith, who'd be well into his 30s, uh, you know, Kevin Tierney, Sean McCormick, David Brady, massive amount of experience in that forward line. Um, and then they're mixing in the youth with it, like Colin McKernan coming off the bench, Brian O'Rourke with a solid game in the middle of the field, um, you know, and, and coming up against experience like John McCutcheon. And, um, well, Sean O'Connor played more as a centre-back, but it, it it wasn't the easiest game to go out and, 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 and play well for an 18-year-old in, but I thought Brian O'Rourke put in a solid performance. And then down through the back line. Like, it's a young enough back line in general for Bally Hayes when you look at it. Like, Adam Heaslip, I'm not sure, maybe 22, 21, 22 years of age. Um, Darren Riley wouldn't be much older than that. Russell Gorman, under 18. Aegon Water, still that, that early 20s bracket. Charlotte Brady, the same. Aaron Watson is probably the oldest of, of the back line at 25 or 26 years of age. So, it's a young enough Bally his back line, but they uh, they weren't found wanting either. They, you know, the Coothill forward line kind of misfired. You know, they relied heavily on freeze. Colin Smith, I think, finished with four freeze. Killian McGahan with two and one from open play. I don't think any of the other forwards actually scored from open play for Coothill, which is disappointing when you've you have quality in that forward line. But um, well, Keane Smith got the goal, but. It's it, like from from a Coot Hill point of view, they'll be disappointed with that. And if they're not disappointed, then you know there'll be something wrong with them because they they're just down from senior. Not saying that they should have been able to beat Ballyhays, but they definitely should have been able to make it a bit closer than it was. Yeah, I think so too. I would agree with that. But like you're talking about, probably one team that's on the up and one team that's on on the down. To be fair, um. And I think Coothill, like with that good batch of players they had that, that played in the under twenty division one final last year and went so close to winning it, Coothill dominated that amalgamation. So I don't think Coothill will be down for very long. They're probably just in a bit of transition this year, maybe next year. I think they will be back challenging. But like you, you have a lot of experience there, like like Barry McGahan, John McCutcheon, uh, players like that, Colin Smith as well, who have been on the scene for a long time now. And th- those lads aren't gonna go go on forever. So. Coothill might find it difficult to bounce, bounce back soon in intermediate, to be fair to them, but it was so hard for them to get up to intermediate, up to senior in the first place. It took a good few years. But Bally Hayes, I've said this before in the podcast, that I, I thought Bally Hayes were very unlucky to ever be relegated out of out of senior and then did look to bounce back the first year and were the best team in intermediate, I think, that year. Um, and we're just caught on the hop by a great performance by Shercock in that final. In a funny yeah. kind, of, in a funny kind of a game, that intermediate final where Sherbrooke went a long, a long time without scoring in the game, but came up with goals at the right time. And and you know, the following year the wheels came off for Bally Hayes. They ran out of road a little bit, and it's taken them this long now to come back. Last year they were going great guns, lost a few players at at the tail end of the group stage, and and uh, you know if they had have had everyone last year, maybe they would have tightened it. I no doubt they would have tightened the championship. But this year, this is the year now where they have they seem to have almost everyone available and you know they're all in good shape and if you look at the players they brought on Owen Clark Colin McKernan uh, Shane Briardy Francis Moore Jamie Smith they're all really good players that good young players and then Shane Briardy they captained them to an intermediate final before and was a starting player for, for many years so they've loads of quality in that Ballyhay side and loads of options and, and seem to be going well and like even the likes of you're talking about 
the the boxes that you want to see a championship winning team tick, like free takers, goalkeeper. They've got all that. So midfield. Midfield, yeah. They've an awful lot going from the only question mark was possibly at the back. Uh, yeah. You know, Adam Heaslip, Darren Riley, Russell Gorman, it's a very young full back line. You have Egon Waters, Jared Brady, and then you have Aaron Watson, who's probably the most experienced player in the backs. Like maybe maybe when they come up against uh Balignano in the semi final, that's gonna be the where, where Ballyheads are really gonna to have to to really impress on is gonna be in their backs because they'll come come up against a good Balignan forward line. the best forward line they'll come up against in the competition, uh mm. with respect to Kugolin. So that's gonna be the test, but you know, if it were there behind them, like who's an outstanding goalkeeper, they do they do have an awful lot going for them. And you know, I think I think themselves and Bal- and Balinia are the two top teams in intermediate, and now they meet in the semi final. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue against that point, all right. But the the um, the, the big question will be in on on that Ballyhill's back line, and I I question possibly the line and out. Like Sean McCormick is doing quite well in the forwards, but is he is he at his best as a forward? I. I don't think that that backline is strong enough to um, to afford to leave Sean, Sean McCormick in the forward line. When you have forwards on the bench of the quality of Colin McKiernan or Jamie Smith that come on and got a point, Owen Clark, who for me is at his best as a forward, but can do quite well in the backline as well. Shane McKiernan, Niall Costlow, another player that played, they both played in county finals for, for Ballyhays. So um, I... I, I I'd I'd be fearful of the Ballyhays backline when they come up against Balinia, but we'll 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 look forward to that in in a couple of weeks' time on the podcast. Um, in in terms, but they they weren't tested enough against Coothill. They haven't been tested enough throughout the group stages, except for the Coothillans forward line. So Ballyhays are um, I think their backs are going to have to step up because Balinia will create more chances um than any of the teams they've come across to date. And will they be able to to nullify the threat? Is is going to be their big the big question mark over Ballyhays in that semi final? But there were there were like nine points didn't flatter them against Coothill really. Yeah, I was I, I wasn't watching the game, but I was following the game on Twitter, and uh, I yeah early on like it seemed to be close for the first twenty minutes or so. Coothill were well in the game, but we had to say Coothill were missing a lot of players too on the evening. Um, I don't yeah. think they're they're the team they were a couple of years ago when they were reaching knockout stages of intermediate championships or senior championships. I don't think anyone would, would argue that. But like Stevie O'Connor and Dermy Connolly were only fit to come on, and the Hessen wasn't playing at all. So they were missing missing players up front who who would have strengthened them. Uh, Alan Corn was lining out full forward on the team sheet here, Damien. Did he play at full forward? No, he played kind of at centre back. Okay, um, I was thinking coming come back like so. It like. It was, and, and and that's the disappointing thing, I suppose, from Coothill was that they didn't get the opportunity to put the best foot forward. Um, but even even the lads who were on the field, I think that they they could do it a little bit more in terms of fitness. Um, you know, they, they didn't look like they were fit to continually put in the pressure that that's needed at intermediate championship level. Maybe only two or three have done, but they they definitely need an improvement. Um, in level of effort by a couple of lads. One lad I have to say did have a very good game was Sean O'Connor. Um, you know, he, he he pretty much nullified David Brady to a large extent when he was playing centre back. And as I was saying on commentary at the time though, 
what were you losing from uh, Kurt Hill's game going forward by having Shawnee O'Connor man Mark David Brady? And then when they made the switch and put Shawnee O'Connor out, he, he really tried to take the game to Bally Hayes. Like he, he's so good going forward. He's, he's a ball of energy, really, as, as he carries ball, gets through tackles, fouled quite a bit as well. So, um, you know, I, I can understand why they put him on to David Brady because David was playing such sensational football. But I think it took too much out of uh, Hill's attacking ability by, by having him at centre-back. Yeah, the well, funny thing was, uh, a good hill man said to me that he thought David Brady was their outstanding player. Um, and yet a Bally Hayes man was raving to me about Sean O'Connor's performance. So it's interesting <laughs> the way different people see the game. But uh, yeah. in the match report in the Anglo Celt, which was uh, Kevin Carney wrote the match report, who was a good hill club man, he, he said that, that David Brady was absolutely outstanding in the game. So um, it's amazing how different people see things. But definitely Sean O'Connor, I think, has has elevated this game. Yeah, have to agree. Have to agree. So Ballyhays march on and Crit Hill get uh, start to get ready for twenty twenty one. So that uh, puts you that puts you how far ahead of me now, Damien? Jesus. I'm five ahead of you. Okay. But don't worry, there's good news on the horizon, Paul, because the second game was Ballymacue against Baileyborough. You went for Baileyborough and I went for the draw on this one. My God I was close to uh, I was never in doubt. <laughs> yeah, seven seven minutes into injury time, and it was a draw, and yeah. that was for the second time in injury time. That game had draw written all over it. To be fair, but uh, it's amazing that on the on the last man standing competition, we had the most entries we ever had. We had, I would say, we had over a hundred entries. I uh, have to go through them yet, but ninety uh, percent of them went for Baileyborough to win the game, and uh, I was just thinking about that when when. The game was going on. I was thinking, if Bally McHugh win this, and there were six points up in the first half, so if Bally McHugh win this, we'll 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 won't be won't be hard to run off this last man standing competition because I was very surprised that so few people were giving Bally McHugh a chance. Yeah, I I couldn't understand it personally. I I I can, well I can possibly see where it was coming from because in the league game when they played, which was the first game back. Um, Baileyborough won it comfortably and I remember thinking you know I'd have at that stage thought Ballymacue were ahead of Baileyborough but as I've seen Ballymacue throughout the championship they were, they were definitely growing they were getting better as they went on and you know Baileyborough obviously were too as well but I, I didn't think that there would be a gulf between the sides I thought I thought it was obviously I thought it was going to be very close when I called the draw on it but um, I, I I was so surprised that so many people thought Baileyborough would be so far ahead of Ballymacue that you know it, it's left us. I, I we we only lost a handful of people out of a hundred. Yeah, very very few. So I don't know what we're going to do with this uh, last man standing. It's gonna it's gonna could be running on into next year, but we're going to have to come up with with a game that's really going to polarize opinion. Um, yeah. this week, this weekend, I'm just looking at my rankings, pre championship rankings. It's interesting to look back on it now at this stage. Uh, I ranked, I ranked uh, Bally McHugh at thirteenth. But but the point I made at the time when I was talking to contacts in Bally McHugh um, was about all the players they were going to get back, and the players they were they were talking about were Stephen Holt and Dara Sheridan, Patrick Goldrick, Ryan Smith, uh, players like that. That Gary Kelly was going to go full back, which was going to free up Dara Kiernan for roll out the field. Um, and allow Mark Kiernan and James Smith play up front. These were this is just reading out of my preview back here. So, uh, how much of that came through? Maybe you can answer better than me. 
All of it. All oh, of it. Fair enough. <laughs> Pretty much all of it came true. Well, Gary, Gary played at full back, Derek Aaron out towards the middle of the field. Um, they had Stephen Halton back. What else did, did you call there? Pretty much everything there came true. Oh, well, I actually didn't know that because, to be fair, I didn't see the game. But uh, and I ranked Bailyborough tenth, and like my thing that I was saying at the time was any team from ten up can win it. So I know I know that wasn't exactly a, a bold prediction, but, uh, but number ten has have uh, made it to the to the semi finals now. And what, what I was saying about Bailyborough back then, I had down Reese Clark as their key man, and I mentioned Dylan Turner, who's a versatile eighteen year old Dylan Turner whose grandfather, Sean McCormick, won an All-Ireland with Mead. And he is a good player, Dylan Turner. Well, funny enough, he turned a lovely ball in to uh, Luke Gilson and for, for Gilson and goal. And um, he started at wing half forward. Now, he, he looked a busy, busy player. But the, the, the story of the Bailiabur attack is Reese Clark and Luke Gilson, both excellent. Like... I hadn't seen a lot of Luke Gilson, I had to say, and I heard an awful amount. And I, I, I had seen him when he had played as a half-back. And I kind of thought, Jesus, now, in that short space of time to turn into this forward that Paul Fitzpatrick is raving about, I just can't see him being that good. I was so wrong. He's excellent. He's really, really good. His movement and his use of the attacking mark, which we'll hear an interview with him later on in the week in the, on the Die Hard service, um, but he loves the attacking mark and, and he uses it so well. He uses the space around him. Um, but Reese Clark, like people who listen to the podcast regular will know that I, I love Liam Buchanan as a footballer for the simple reason that when, when the chips are down, when, when the game's in the melting pot, all of the cliches, Liam Buchanan steps up. And once again, he stepped up. 35 minutes into, into the second half, you know, deep in injury time, Losing by a point, playing pretty much the centre back, he comes driving forward, sails the ball over the bar from forty meters out to level the sides, and you're going phenomenal stuff. But before that, for the previous fifteen minutes, Bailyborough were being dragged into the game by Reese Clark. Talk about leadership as well. Like he, he, he scored five points. I think all in the last, uh, in, definitely all in the second half. Anyway. I think the first of them was a mark on, on the on the eighth minute of the second half or something in around that. So but there were there were at at times when Ballamacue looked like they could have been running away with it. Like Ballamacue were leading um Ballamacue were leading I'm just looking at my notes here, two seven to one six. And there was eight points in a row for Bailiborough and Reese Clark got three of them eight points you know that's leadership that's that's right geez we need something here and up he steps to, to get it so i i was very very impressed with reese clark now a player i i've i've watched over the last few years and, and never doubted his ability but to to be given i would reese clark be what 22 23 24 something he'd definitely be below 25 wouldn't he oh he is yeah no he's he's a lot younger than that he was he was on a Cavan minor squad. Um, yeah, he was on a Cavan minor squad that made the Ulster final. I'm not sure what year that was, but I remember him playing. He was so fast coming on. I think it was in Thonis. Yeah, so he's younger than that. He, he's 
he's a really good player. Like he's a he's a player with county potential. He's one of these players. There's a few of them around the county that are just bubbling under county level. And yes. you know they could they could have enough about them to break through and settle in at that level. It's a massive jump up, but they you know he looks like the type of player. He has pace. He knows how to score. He seems to have a very good mentality. He could be one of these players that could adapt to that level with the extra training would bring him up to what's required. You have to, of course, remember that it's intermediate level he's playing at. But I mean, like he's done everything that can be asked of him. And the you know the question is now now going to be can Gilson and Clark fire Bailey into the championship final because. Looking at that Butler's Bridge backline, it's a little bit suspect. Um, and like, you know, good, they're good. They've got a good. They're good players there, but the way they play the game is on the front foot, the bridge, and their yeah. forward line is stellar. And uh, I, I think the bridge could be got at at the back, but you know, you're looking at you're looking at Brendan argue and especially Clark and Gilson to do the scoring for for Bailey-Burr. and they've been well flagged up now. Like even before the Drum Lane game, there wasn't much talk about Luke Gilson. Then he comes. I won't say he came out of nowhere, but he just stepped up big time in that game. And uh, he followed it up, backed it up with a huge performance again. And Clark was very quiet against Drum Lane, actually. And then he's after stepping it up with another massive performance. So the bridge know what's coming. They're going to have to figure out a way to stop those fellas. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So from from a, a, a Ballymacue point of view, like they had a lot of good performers all over the field. In fairness, like it really was a class battle. It was it was a brilliant, brilliant game of football, and both teams deserve huge credit. But uh, James Smith, Killian Smith, both very good players there with with physical power. You know, um, they're they're tall enough lads and have good shooting boots on them on their day. I thought Kieran Goldrick actually was quite impressive. He he comes out from a corner forward position, but never really plays as a corner forward. It's always like a sweeper or a transition player from the back line, but does the simple things consistently well and has a massive engine, could could run all day. Then you had James Cairn, and I had to laugh, at, like gets a goal inside the first couple of minutes of the game. I think seven, um, sorry, he got the goal first minute of the game. Gets a black card then after about seven or eight minutes or, or there or thereabouts. Is only back on the field minute at most sticks the ball in the back of the net again like Brilliant. such such a, a a deft touch on the inside great ball winner and then Mark Kiernan you know with freeze and everything like there's, there's a lot of quality in that Bally McHugh side Dylan Kiernan at wing back the speed he, he brings coming up the field as well so I think Bally McHugh they'll be looking at it like I'm not sure age wise what way they'd be it's not it's, it's definitely not an old team they, they'd be looking at this year and saying, OK, we've cemented our place in intermediate. We've met a quarterfinal. We were very competitive in that quarterfinal. Could have got over the line. Could have could have won it. You know, let's let's push on. Let's make a semi-final final next year. And I wouldn't I wouldn't rule them out and having a having a, a good run in intermediate championship next year or the year after and, and possibly making a final causing an upset or something like that because there's there is a lot of quality in that that Ballymacue side. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like Bally McHugh are are historically minnows. You know, Bally McHugh have have won the intermediate championship. I'd say about probably about three times in their history. So, like a lot of country clubs, it goes in cycles, and it does seem to be a rising tide for Bally McHugh. Like they've they've sort of went down to junior and made the final, and they kept at it. They came back and won the the junior championship, and now, as you said, they've consolidated. They were down in Division Three in the league and got used to winning games. 
And they've done well in that from Loman Gales amalgamation. Like that young Tyna yeah. is a chain Tyna in the corner forward. He'll be coming um, through. He'll be coming through. Year. Yeah, there's, there's some cracking youngsters coming through there as well that have played at a high level Division One minor football uh, in conjunction with Mullahorn. So definitely bad bad But as Finber Clark, the Bailey manager, said last week when I after the Drumlane game when I was talking to him, he said we've got a chance. I asked him about getting back to senior. He said, we've got a chance. Same as a lot of clubs have got a chance. And Bally McHugh fit into that category as well. Um, yeah. I, think, I think, you know, if everything went right and they were really putting in the effort, no doubt about it, they could they could definitely get up to senior. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. Just looking on, on the history book, so they won the Intermediate in 81 and in 99, um, Bally McHugh. So, and I, I remember that 99 team, the likes of Brian Donahue. Brendan Sweeney, like there, there was a lot of good players. I think they could have stayed senior for a couple of years at that stage. Um, they, they didn't actually, they didn't actually fulfil their potential. That team, that was a really no. good team, that '99 team, and uh, coming off the back of a, of a really good, I think it was an under twenty one team. That's uh, right. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't actually fulfil their potential. They could have went on and, and been a strong senior club, but they seemed to slip back. Injuries, I suppose, and fellas going away. Same old story with with rural clubs, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's supposed to have taken them this long to get back. Now I know okay, we're not going to go overboard. They were beaten in an intermediate quarter final, but they're within the kick of the ball of, a, of an intermediate championship semi final. So, and like it's in, it's interesting that the way the draw worked out, Bailey and Bally McHugh, they both drew the team that they would have wanted to draw. If you had asked Bailey who do you want? Uh, yes, they might, they probably would have said Bally McHugh. If you asked Bally McHugh who do you want, they probably would have said Bailey So it was it was great to see both teams went at it. They, they were presented with an opportunity and they did everything they could to try and grab it. Uh, there was no there was no fear, there was no uh, sitting back or being afraid. They just went for it and uh, it, it sounded like a cracker. Again, it wasn't on it, but uh, I'll be at all the games this weekend, so I won't have to, to waffle as much next week. 310 to 117 is damn good scoring on any day. So, um, But it's Baileyborough back into a semi-final of an intermediate championship. They won the intermediate in 1989. Um was the last time just looking through the the role of honor here so is yeah they, is, they did kick on obviously like they, yeah i, I actually senior they, then did Bailey win a junior i could be wrong with saying that uh i know they they sort of come up through the ranks that barely were side like through through underage there was a serious crop of players and then they went on and won the won the senior championship in 95 and then again they they probably had potential to win more senior championships but it didn't happen for them for a variety of reasons but uh, it's good. I think it's good for Cavan. We talked about that last week. I think it's good for Cavan that to, to see a club like Bailey back as well. But I mean, they, well, they're, they're on the way forward. back, they, they uh, still have a bit to go. Yeah, they have a bit to go. Yeah, they have a bit to go. Surely. Yeah. No, they, they only won a junior in nineteen nineteen. All right. Okay. So they, uh, they they've they've never been back down a junior since. Gavin Mackey was on that team. I think. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Mark Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Bailiborough marched on into the semi-final. Um, the third game was Balignan against Beltorbet, Sunday 2 o'clock in, in Kingsbound Breffney. Neither of us were at this, but you, you got the report. Convincing enough win for Balignan. We both predicted um, that Balignan would win. I actually thought it'd be closer than it was, though. Yeah, well, it was it was number two in my rankings, which was Beltorbet against number four in my rankings, which was Balignan. And... Uh, I have to dig out my rankings. I've I've, I've got ranking envy here, which because I think I had built Torbett down at like fifth, um, on my rankings. I remember thinking you that, did. that 
Yeah, I had them lower now. I must, I must dig out my rankings for next week. Uh, you're, I mean, it's hard to argue with, with, with the fifth place ranking. Um, my rankings, in fairness, were I'm bigging up all the good things I said in my rankings, but looking at it here, <laughs> like I had Arva, Jermaine, and Kukolans all in my top eight, and none of them made the quarter final. So uh, I did have Cudhill at six. I know I noticed some of the Cudhill boys weren't happy, and I had Banya at four, some of the Banyas weren't happy. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you, you technically could still fall into that you were right if Balanya were beaten in the in the semi final. You could say, "Listen, you didn't make the top two. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you're you're third at best. But I had Bally Hayes three, so uh, one of them be, is going to be wrong. One of them's going to be wrong. Yeah, no, they're both going to be wrong. Oh, sorry, yeah, one of them's going to be wrong. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Look, I suppose going into the the last round game. Uh, I was standing with Liam McCabe, County Secretary, Baltorvik man at a match while the Balanya-Baltorvik game was going on in round four of the group. And like we were discussing it and we were getting updates on Twitter and we thought that this was going to be a really tight game. And I don't think anyone expected Balanya to run away with that game in the manner that they did. So it was always going to be difficult with, with just one week for Baltorvik to come back and try and overturn. I know the Gales overturned a, a nine-point loss and one by ten two weeks later. So you know, there was different circumstances mm. there. There was only a week in this. Had to play the same team, and Balanya are starting to hum. Let's let's be honest. Balanya are just starting to to click very nicely. Like looking through their team, they've got a lovely blend of youth and experience in that team. Like you've got Patrick Carroll at fullback, who's loads of experience, and he was outstanding. I think he was he was certainly the best defender on the field and one of the best players on show. Um, you've Niall Riley there as well. You've Park Riley. Uh, you have Thomas Moore, Niall McDermott, David Finnegan, so you've, and Ender Brady's now playing in goal. So you have a serious spine of experience on that side. Kevin Smith came on. Kevin Smith, well. yeah. You have loads of experience, but under the radar, Banyar brought through so many talented young players in the last few years. And I think I said this before, when you were talking about teams with, that were bringing through youngsters, there was a lot of talk about the likes of Killigarry and, and uh, Butler's Bridge, teams like that. Balignar brought through as many as anyone a couple of years ago. And they did it off a, they had a really good minor Division 2 winning team. They had a couple of good teams like that who weren't getting huge headlines. And same as Bally Hayes, they won a minor couple of Division 2 titles, maybe even a Division 3 title. But they were bringing through four or five quality players. You take the likes of Shane Finnegan. He's still only 22. He scored three points. Cormac Timoney, who's the best of the lot. He's outstanding uh, at centre-back. He scored a point. Um, then you've got Thomas Smith, the captain on the 20 player last year. You have Evan Finnegan, the same. Daryl Gaynor, Paddy O'Brien is there. I don't think he played last year, but he's back in, in the side. Kyle Tyler came on and scored 1 1. Damien Riley came on last week and scored 1 2. He came on here. And Barry Connolly's a really good defender as well. He came on. And you have Ushin Finnegan there as well. So you have, you have a lot of quality young lads blending in with serious, serious experience, like senior championship winners which is just an incredible level of experience to have. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, the more you look at it, this Balanya side, are, are, they're obviously getting better as the championship goes on. When you inject Niall McDermott into a side, it's going to get better. But they weren't lacking forwards, you know, in the earlier stages. Kevin Smith was, you know, probably in the top two, three forwards in the competition early doors. Um and Thomas Smith, Shane Finnegan, lots of lots of firepower up there. So, I, I where I'm more impressed with Balanya is that their defensive record seems to be quite solid, and that's 
they seem to be extremely well balanced and that's that's the experience like that the likes of Butsy Carroll brings to you at full back. Even I, I'm very impressed with Enda um Brady's kickouts that now I know Darren McCarthy is in doing a good bit of work with, with, with Enda Brady and you can see that there's a huge amount of work going on with the kickouts because he's not just striking the ball well but the movement is good for him out the field. So he's, he's able to hit the targets that are moving for him. And then if they're stuck, they just have to, uh, they just have to jump up and, and go for a long ball out towards Porrick or, or, um, or any of the other, or any of the other um, Tom Moore out around the middle of the field. Yeah, so, Timoney, Philly Bogue, they all, they'll all win, win ball free in the air. Yeah, exactly. So they, they, they have, they've, they seem to have a really well balanced side, and you know the defeat to Coo Hollands. I think done them good because there may have been a level of complacency with um, with with Balanya going into that game, but that was definitely thrown out the window. I remember watching after the game and manager Adrian Maguire pulling them together and 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 kept them for a long time about the word that I kept on hearing was preparation. Um, you know, that preparation wasn't good enough probably the week in building up to that game. So they, they, they've they had their defeat. They've learned a lesson. And now to go on and win the championship, they know that the big game, the biggest one of them is is, is, the, is the next one. That's is kind of a cliche, but it really is in this case because um, they, they got over a potential banana skin at the weekend. Like that, that defeat a few weeks or a week earlier that they handed out to Beltorbert could have could have left it that Beltorbert were kind of saying, okay, now you think you're, you're way better than us, we're going to show you. And they could have rested on their laurels. They could have stepped back a good wee bit and say, look, we're so far ahead of them that they won't catch us. But obviously they didn't. They put in a, a good performance yet again. So good performances generally lead to good results and and. Balanya will be delighted with where to sit right now. Yeah, completely. Like on the Wiltorbert side, again, end of Henry top score with one three, two frees. But I think Evan Finnegan did a pretty good job on him. If you can keep end of Henry even to one one, uh, you haven't done too badly because he's a very prolific scorer. Um, but yeah, just looking at the spine, last comment on Balanya, Damien. We mentioned our, some of the names there, but if you actually just look at the spine of the team, you know, Patrick Carroll, Cormac Timoney, Park O'Reilly, Thomas Moore. Niall McDermott, up the middle, that's incredibly strong for intermediate level. Like yeah. ex- serious experience, uh, physical power, and like McDermott's just a monster. McDermott is, it's just he was always an incredibly good club player. Like I always really rated him as a county player as well. But at club level, he was something else. He was serious, and he's he's back there now. He got five points, uh, three of them coming from play the last day. The week before, he got ten points. Like he's going to take serious, serious watch. And it seems to be since McDermott has come back into the side, things have clicked. Yeah, I can't wait to see Niall McDermott in the flesh playing because I, ha- I haven't seen him since he went off to Australia. And even if I remember rightly, the year before he went off to Australia, there was a lot of injury issues. Um, I think I remember him playing for Cavan up in, up in Oma and pulling up with, with, with an injury. And it seemed that that year was... was Constantly stop star for Niall McDermott. But the, so, the league was that year. That that was the first round of the league in in 2016, and like he was a key man for Cavan, and they went on and had a great year after. I, I I'm not sure if he played for Cavan after that. He didn't play much. I don't think 
if any, for yeah. Cavan after that because he got a horrendous injury. And, you know, if he hadn't got that injury, maybe he mightn't have gone to Australia at all. But, um, you know, there was, there was a sense that, that Niall hadn't, wasn't the same player when he came back from it. It was such a bad injury that it's taken him a couple of years to come really back from it. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him as well. See, is he as good? Going on reports, he's as good as he was. And if he is, uh, he's going to take some stopping. But Ballyhills are going to have to come up with a plan to deal with, with that uh, with that Balignan forward line. Like Balignan brought on Kevin Smith. He was only on for maybe 15 minutes and he scored 1-3. And then he, and then the, he went off again. Yeah, the, the word I heard was he, he scored his 1-3 and then basically signaled to the line Look at get me out of here just in case anything does go wrong. We've we've got a semi final to prepare for. The game was was they were that far ahead, so it it kind of shows that Balanya were maybe not even at at full tilt beating Beltorbet, um, which is a bit harsh on on Beltorbet, but um, Beltorbet it still comes with the with the overarching that they were missing so many players this year. You take the three, O'Reilly, Damien, Niall and Finnan out of that side and and um uh corner forward uh, Bud Fitzpatrick away as well. Like you know, it's it's a it's it's a team in Beltor, but it's probably on their transition at the moment in this year because that's four players I think they all started in last year's intermediate final. So uh, I don't think know, Bud Bud started, but he was the captain of the team. Sorry, so. yeah. Yeah, so like, oh yeah, you're losing a lot of quality there and experience. Yeah, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see now how how um how Balignan and Ballyhays go in the in the semi final. The final game of the weekend in the intermediate championship then was Killing Care against Butler's Bridge, and for entertainment purposes, this was the game of the weekend. Ah, this was this was a game, one of these unforgettable epics. That just had everything, and again, loads of great attacking football in it. The Butler's Bridge seem to only know how to play one way, and that is all-out attack. They're the best team I think to watch in Cavan at the minute. And to be fair to Killing Care, they played more than their part in the game as well. I was really impressed with Killing Care, and like we both tipped the bridge, I think, Damien. But as, as, as it went, grew closer. Talking to people who had seen the bridge and had seen Killing Care, you know, there was I got a sense from talking to people that Killing Care were going to tighten it. And uh, going to the head, I think I still would have gone for the bridge, to, to be fair. Uh, and I would have t- taken them to win it in normal time. But, like, Killing Care probably should have won it in normal time. Uh, like, they, I thought they turned in a great performance. I thought Jason McMahon turned in a, a mon- momentous shift in the middle of the field. I th- he never stopped running. And I, at one stage, I turned around to say to someone, Jesus, Jason McMahon's having some game. I think he was in the full back line blocking the ball. By the time I turned back around, he was on the ball at midfield. He just never stopped. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like you look at Jason McMahon's level of level of effort is second to none in the county, and he finished with one one a penalty and, and a point from open play. And in reality, he was probably the the pick of the four starting midfielders, uh, Kevin McCabe, John Fitzpatrick, and, and Ryan Duffy when they were all at midfield. Um, you know, he he seemed to be just everywhere and up in the air and then down on the ground to win breaking ball himself. Um, so, but the the overall the overall battles that were were throughout the game that that's what really intrigued me. So, from from the 
the Killing Care defence, they had Mark Farley Jr. on Killian Leddy. I thought he done a great job. I thought he, he like Killian Leddy, or sorry, not Killian, Johnny Leddy, he finished with one point to his name. And Johnny Leddy is, is brilliant, brilliant baller. But where his best asset, I think, is sometimes his supply. He can give super passes into the inside line. I didn't think he got the opportunity that much. I thought Mark Farley Jr. done a, a superb job on him. Um, Quivian O'Reilly and Liam McCabe, like, Quivian O'Reilly is, uh, he's, 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 he's in the sort of form that he could be spoken about as one, as one of, if not the best player in, in the, in, or best forward in the county at the minute. Because Liam McCabe, when it comes to preparing for his job on, on marking somebody, is diligent. He does a huge amount of work and he'll watch every detail. he watch videos back. I, I, I know the type of him. And you could see that he had done it. And, and in the early stages, a couple of scores from Cuivine, but he was being forced to go onto his right foot. Something that we didn't see that often. And then he nails it on the right foot. And as you're a defender, if you're looking at it and saying, well, look, at he, he doesn't go onto his right foot often. I'll show him his right foot. Then he nails one from a tight angle on his right foot. It throws your whole game plan out the window. It throws your whole strategy of how you're going to mark them out the window. And I thought Liam then a few times read the play brilliantly, got out in front, cut him off. So Cuevin decides then, well, I'm going to come forward right the field to get on more ball and, and, and take it on in a different way. Like, he looks so fit at the minute and so fast, so direct when he needs to be, and yet so composed at certain times, Cuevin. I, I, I don't know if there's any defenders in the Intermediate Championship that, that will be able to mark Cuevin O'Reilly in this sort of form. I, I fully agree, Damien. Like, I got ridiculed there uh, about a year ago when I listed Cuevin O'Reilly as one of the 10 best players in Cavan. I was listing out all the, all the players who were missing off the Cavan panel and I said Cuevin's one of the 10 best players and there was a thread on Hogan stand where, where myself and yourself were getting accused of bigging up players and that was thrown out several times and I was absolutely ridiculed, and I stand over that because Kevin Kevin O'Reilly is is a different beast physically to anyone else operating at intermediate level that I can see. Like yeah. Lee McCabe did as good a job at, at the moment. I would say Kevin O'Reilly is unmarkable at that level, and uh, Liam did as good a job as could be done on him. Um, but physically, he was overmatched by Kevin because. Like there's a, there's a couple of photographs tomorrow in tomorrow's sad. So I think there's one of them actually printed, but there were a few photographs taken. Uh, and every photograph of Kevin O'Reilly from the game, Liam McCabe is in the shot. He's right beside him. But what I noticed was when when Cuevin got the ball, he was able to steal a yard on Liam every time because he had the explosive power in his legs just to get away from him. And it didn't matter how how well that that Liam defended positionally. Even though he knew what Kevin was going to do, as you say, he'd probably done his, his homework. He just didn't have that explosive power in the legs to match what the power that O'Reilly had. Like he's ferociously strong in his lower body, and his kicking was really good. I thought he was, I thought he was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. There was one point he got, he got the ball in the right corner. There wasn't much on, and they really needed the score. He looked up, and when he looked up in that position, this was in the in the second half of the game, possibly the extra time. When he looked up in that position, all he could have seen was a maze of bodies because there was loads of men back. I don't know if you remember this point. And he just put the head down and just went through them and fisted the ball over the bar. Oh, yeah. I, just, yeah. I just thought that is just raw power, uh, which gave him the ability to do that. Now, he cramped up at the end. and He, he cramped up on both legs um, yeah. at the end. But he had run himself into the ground. <laughs> and I think Liam McCabe came out of it with credit. I was just uh, going to say that. I, I, 
I take Cuevin O'Reilly cramping up as as a as a feather in my cap that I forced him to run that much that he had to cramp up because but it's a huge credit to Cuevin O'Reilly in that in that same you know debate that he 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 wasn't in an easy battle and people will look at the score what did he finish at one one eight one eight one, yeah one eight like people will look at that and go oh Jesus he cleaned out Liam McCabe he didn't he well he did but. Liam was so tight to him that he he had to do so much work before he got the ball to to get the room to get the ball, and then when he got the ball, he still had a lot of work to do to get by Liam McCabe. That he cramped up, you know that that both his legs just gave up on it. Now as I say, and I'm and I'm going to slag Cuevin when I see him, so I'll slag him here. He cramped up with both legs, but he was fit to come up the steps for the interview after the game. That's <laughs> that's Cuevin in a nutshell. Um, but it it like look at. Anybody who says Cuevin O'Reilly is not in the top 10 players in this county has a completely different view of football than I have, anyway, I have to say. I, no, I, wor- I, I'll back you up on this one, Paul. Yeah, definitely, Damien. The, the worry I would have for the bridge is if he was to get an injury or if he was, if he was to have an off day, um, if, he, if, he, if some team can pull a player out of somewhere that's able to match him physically, maybe, maybe if, they, if they were to get to a final and Maybe Balnia were there and they were able to put Timoney on him. I don't know if does Timoney have, have that, but maybe he has. Like that'll be a matchup I'd be interested to see. If you can yeah. blot out Kevin O'Reilly, uh, I think you go a lot an awful long way to stop on Butler's Bridge. Like their starting forward line only scored two points uh, outside of him. That was a point for Finton O'Reilly and a point for Johnny Leddy. I know John Fitzpatrick moved into the forwards. Peter Connolly came off the bench and showed some amazing place kicking. But they are reliant on Creevy for scores. And it's not just his scores. Like, if you look at the goal, like, Finton gave the ball to, to Keevin. Again, very well defended by Killing Care. Like, uh, Liam McCabe was on the, on the scene, did all that needed to be done. Keevin had his back to goal. And I just thought, well, there's no, tre- there's no threat here. The threat level has completely dropped here. But on those sides. Because he could have flicked it. He could have actually got a punch to it to, yeah, to, he, to maybe. Create a goal chance from it, but he caught it. He and caught I thought the same. Once he caught it, I thought, goal, chance I thought is gone. He's not getting through here, yeah. Yeah. But Flanagan had ghosted in, and Keevan spotted him and laid it off. And Flanagan took his goal really well. It was it was a beautiful bit of play. But what I wanted to talk about was the what impressed me with the bridge was. Remember, I was saying to you on the on the podcast yesterday that that I thought that that uh, the bridge had a catastrophic spell around the third quarter into the fourth quarter, and I just looking back on my notes. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing that they, they, they created loads of chances, but so much went wrong for them in that spell. First of all, Fergal Flanagan uh, was, was barreling through along the end line and a free was given against them. When it looked like he was through for a definite score, possibly a goal chance. And it, I thought it was the right decision. But it, yeah. was, one of those, it was one of those ones where... where uh, Referees rarely see it. So he was holding, was it Jamie Smith's arm, trying to win the free. And that, and that was what the referee spotted. And you, you rarely see a referee that actually spots it. So Porrick Shorten, I think, was the referee, deserves credit on it. Yeah, that was the first one. And that was the kind of decision that sometimes teams can drop the head a wee bit. Then Paddy McPhillips missed a really easy goal chance where it fell to him in front of the post and he, he just fluffed mm-hmm. it like it was a tap-in. Then fin, Finton O'Reilly had a goal chance and he missed it. Then Keevan O'Reilly, the only thing he did wrong in the whole game, he missed an easy free. It was a careless free. It was on, the, it was on his right side for, for the left-footed kick. And he kicked a wide. Like I had already written that one there. And then mm. they got a, then they got a black card for, for Andy McConnell. 
this is all sort of in succession. Then Mark Farley comes up from the full back line and kicks a great point, and it was two nine to ten. Then they they got a point. Then I think it was Kevin O'Reilly came up with a point. Then uh, both or Killing Care came through for their goal chance. Uh, Noel McPhillips pushed it onto the crossbar, comes out with the ball and was blown. I think he was rightly as well blown for charge and. And Jason Mann scored the penalty. So all of this stuff went against Butler's Bridge in a short space of time. And their, their response to that was a wide from Shane O'Rourke as well, who had a very good game, but he kicked the wide. So so much went wrong for them. And this is a team that, that uh, doesn't have huge experience in the business end of, of championships. Like they, they were in one semi-final, I think. And still they, still they didn't panic and still they got the job done. I thought that was hugely impressive. Well, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you that because I remember saying at the end of the third quarter, so the water break and Mark Farley was after hitting the point to leave a 2-9 to 1-10. Um, yeah. And I, I remember saying at that stage, my God, the bridge have dominated that quarter, but they still haven't got themselves in front. And I, 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 I couldn't, I, I was saying to myself at the time, like that's, that's a big, big plus for Killing Care. Now, if Killing Care can put in a big final quarter here, they'll go on and win this because the bridge have thrown everything at them and it hasn't worked out for them. The, the fourth quarter then, it, it looked like it was more of the same up until the 23rd minute when we've seen John Fitch being freed up from the middle of the field going forward and he scores the first point. And that was the first of four in a row for Butler's Bridge, John Fitch, Queeving, John Fitch, and then Peter Connerty's first 45, or was it his second 45? Um, he had scored a free before that. That was his first 45. Um, and that brought it back to a draw game. Then, obviously, Darren Smith with, with, the, with the point to put Killing Care in front that looked like that was it. It was going to be enough. Killing Care were getting over the line. But Peter Connerty, again, with the 45... 35 minutes into the game, you know, five minutes into injury time, you were just saying, right, well, there's character about this Butler's Bridge side, which in the past, and, and probably because it, it, it was a young team, you, you, you wouldn't have associated them with. You wouldn't have associated them with, with character. To come back to one of the points you made, like if Creven O'Reilly is wrapped up, where are they going to get scores? I, there's a simple answer. They're, they're going to get them from John Fitzpatrick, Finton O'Reilly, Johnny Leddy, or Paddy McPhillips, who's not having a great season yet, but I, I do rate as a footballer. But what Killing Care done brilliantly was they nullified those other threats for ma- most of the game, with the exception of John Fitzpatrick. Like I thought Luke Cross's display on Finton O'Reilly was the best display I've seen this year on marking a really talented footballer in Finton O'Reilly. And I, as I said, Mark Farley on, on, um, on Johnny Leddy. And I thought end of trainer done very well on Paddy McPhillips. So I thought the killing care got the matchups right. I thought when John Fitzpatrick was in the middle of the field, he was being cleaned out. But George Dugdale, as I said on yesterday's podcast, deserves huge credit. The two moves that worked exceptionally well were Fergal Flanagan going to the middle of the field. He finished with 1-1 from the point that he moved to midfield. And John Fitzpatrick moving to the forward line, he finished with five points. Um, now, I'm not sure, did he actually move to the forward line or was it a straight swap that he went to centre-back? Because Jamie Smith seemed to be trying to mark John Fitzpatrick for the first part of that. But whatever way it worked out anyway, it freed up John Fitzpatrick and it, it, it allowed Fergal Flanagan to take more of an attacking position in, in the game. And they, that was the winning of the game. That, that was yeah. simply it. Killing Care were going to win that game if... if, if John Fitzpatrick remained at midfield and Fergal Flanagan stayed at centre-back. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it, it gave them it gave them legs. Uh, you know, it, John Fitzpatrick still had it in his legs. Fergal Fanning is not as fit as he was, but he, but he was able to to just provide that bit of impetus. And I thought as the game was was closing, I felt there was a little bit more in Butler's Bridge's legs, not in Keeping Riley's legs. Yeah. Right, they, they were they were going as stiff as a, as a board, but uh, <laughs> I felt they had a little bit more uh, legs about them. At that stage, Killing Care were gone high ball all the way. You know, Killing Care, they were working at the midfield and they were just pumping in high ball. And it was working for them. Uh, Paul Brady mm. came on, probably the tallest man on the field at that stage, and and was causing chaos in there. And it worked so well because Darren Smith has got one of the most a- accurate left pegs on him. And he was just um, picking up the crumbs from, from Paul Brady's table and slotting over the bar any chance he got. Tight angles. like his, He can tread it through the eye of a needle with the left peg. So that was a good move by Paddy Bates as well. But that's that's yeah. something that that Bailey, I'm sure, will have noticed that the bridge were susceptible to the high ball, and that's we we did highlight that earlier in the season. That one thing that the bridge have going against them is they're not the biggest team you've ever seen. That they wouldn't have very many lads six foot or over throughout throughout the field. Peter Condy's probably one of them, and he he didn't wasn't on the starting team, but played very well when he came on. So they're a fascinating team to watch, Butters Bridge. I love watching them, and I'm really looking forward to seeing them there against Bailey. It's a huge prize for both Bailey and Butters Bridge to make an intermediate final. Yeah, yeah. Final, final thing on this because we did say yesterday we could we could nearly do a podcast on Butlersbridge Killing Care alone. I thought where where you just after highlighting the, the full back line in particular under a high ball, like it was interesting that Paddy Flynn went on to Kieran Flynn, which was was something that we had kind of highlighted that may have to happen. And Cahilletti picked up um, Emmett Fitzsimons with Darren McCurry or Dermot McCurry taking Peter McCabe. Um, at times, all three were exposed, I thought. I thought the, the Killing Care lads at times were, were, were running them ragged, but they didn't do it consistently enough throughout the game. Maybe Emmett Fitzsimons did all right, but I thought that Peter McCabe went hiding, not went hiding, but just went out of the game uh, for long spells. And at, at times when Killing Care needed the different option, that, that long high ball was being bar- bombarded in for once Paul Brady came on the field. But maybe that was the time for Peter McCabe to get on a ball from 40 yards out and, and take a run and draw out the defence before slipping a pass in behind it. Or we, we needed to see a little bit more out of Peter McCabe. Now, I know he had picked up an injury. He went off in the, the group stage game against Piltorbet. So maybe that was affecting him. But what, what I came away from the game saying was that Butler's Bridge have stepped up this year yet again. And Killing Care have shown with a young team once again. You look at the oldest starting player, take Brian Clark out of the mix there on, on that Killing Care side. The oldest starting player, I think, is Emmett Fitzsimons at 27 years of age. Will he be 27, 28? That, Killing Care have a, have a very young side that will go and compete for an intermediate title in the next few years, I, I personally believe. But Butler's Bridge are competing for an intermediate title this year. And uh, with that forward line, they're going to cause a lot of back lines, or the remaining back lines, all sorts of nightmares. Um, it's 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 going to be George Dugdale. Is this his third or this is fourth year anyway with, with, with Butler's Bridge? And, and maybe maybe this might just be his year. Um, to get Butler's Bridge over the line. And, and like I was saying, for Butler's Bridge, they probably have enough quality 
to go and say, well, look, where we want to compete. And the age profile is very, very young too. Like their oldest starting player, take Noel McPhillips out from the goals, the, the two over 40s lined out in goals. But I, I'd say their oldest starting player is Fergal Flanagan. And what's he, 29? Well, I always, I always judge these things by what year they played minor or under 21 for the county. So Fergal was in his first year under 21 in 2011. So if he was nineteen, then he's only twenty eight. Twenty eight. He's, he's still he's still a young man, like um, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. I don't know what age Ryan Duffy is, um, but yeah, yeah I'd, say, I'd say he's pretty young. But yeah, it's, it's two two good young teams. Like and you know they deserve huge credit for for the the exhibition they put on on the Sunday. It's just a pity. I suppose the streaming was up there, but it's pretty more people didn't get to see it in the flesh because it was a brilliant advertisement for intermediate football in Cavan. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. So we both went for Butler's Bridge in that game. Narrowly, we both uh, we both got it right. Although it did take extra time for us to get it right, but uh, well done to both sides. A, a thoroughly entertaining game where both sides can come come away with their heads held high um, as Butler's Bridge now push on to the semi final. So um, everybody will know Butler's Bridge will take on Baileyborough, I'm sure, and Ballyhays will take on Balinya. We'll be doing the previews the weekend before that game, which is not this week, coming the following week. So, Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead, and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family owned and family run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Time now for our proactive risk control team of the week. Um, Quite a few nominations in, but maybe not as, as many as we had for the last few weeks. I suppose it's down to less games being played. Um, but we'll start off in goals. There was two nominations come in, Paul. Um, the first of them was Brian Clark from Killing Care, and the second, Mark Fagan from Den. Brian yeah. Clark, impressive. I thought Brian Clark had a mighty game. Um, I thought Noah Phillips had a good game too. Give away the penalty, which was unfortunate because he was after making a brilliant save. But Brian Clark had a brilliant game. His kickouts were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And uh, like he was, all, he used to play as a forward for Killing Care over the years. He was always a good, um, very accurate kicker of the ball. But he's reinvented now as a forward, and and looks like he'd go on for many more years because his his kickouts were amazing. Right into the chest, players on the run. It was brilliant. But two points, mark- two points on 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 Brian Clark. One, a Buttersbridge uh, person said to me after the game that. He couldn't remember a single killing care kickout that they didn't win, and I'm I'm getting it hard to remember any, which is a massive testament to him. The second one is he he made at least two point blank saves that were definite goals. They go in, that game's over, you know. And I thought bringing it back to Fergal Flanagan, what Fergal Flanagan done brilliant for his goal was everybody else that that faced one on one with Brian Clark panicked as he rushed out onto them. Fergal Flanagan just took an extra second to allow Brian Clark to make the decision, well, I'm going here, and then he put it past him. I thought that was really, really cool by by um, 
by Fergal Flanagan. But Brian Clark in goals, I thought it was it was pretty much a flawless performance. Yeah, really good. But Mark Fagan has got to push him tight because even though it was a one-sided win for Den, he came up and scored four points. Any day a goalkeeper can get you four points. Uh, I think he had, you described it as 345s on a 46. Yeah. Which is a nice turn of phrase. 345s on a free from outside the 45. Yeah, and, and, and what was beautiful about this, so two of the two or three of the 45s were at one end of the field. And so, yeah, uh, there was one 45 at the, at the lower end. But in the second half, he came up and he was kicking into the complex end in, in Drummolee. And one of the 45s he took, so a couple of them he, he sailed, you know, ball rises, ball falls, and it's over the bar. But in the second half, he got one and he drilled it. And I mean, it didn't go more than a foot higher than the crossbar, but went straight over the bar, which, which showed a range of kicking that I thought was super impressive. Like, top, top that off, he didn't, uh, he didn't put a foot wrong really on kickouts either. So Mark, Fa- Mark Fagan was, was phenomenal in goals for Den. And looking at him, he's, um, like, I know he played County Minor, for Cavan, or definitely was on the county minor squad or on the twenty squad, um, he has a lot of attributes that could go on to another level because the range of kicking that he's producing at the minute would be a huge asset to any team. So, um, yeah, I believe he, tough... sta- I believe he started for Cavan under twenty under twenty ones uh, against Donegal one year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. He did, um, and and. I, I think he's the same age as Shane O'Rourke, or uh, not Shane O'Rourke, Fergal O'Rourke from, from Lara, which is interesting that they're both brilliant kickers um, off the ground. So, But um, I, I, think, I think all in all, in terms that Killing Care's game against Butler's Bridge was an epic. It was a quarterfinal. It was a close battle. I think we'll have to give the nod to Brian Clark this week. Okay. Moving on to the full-back line then. Um, of the proactive risk control team of the week. The nominations that came in were Donald Maguire from Templeport, Adam Heaslip, Bally Hayes, Patrick Carroll, Balagna, Bernard Gaffney, Den, Mark Farley Jr., Killing Care, and Luke Cross in Killing Care. Um, what were the standout performances you heard about or seen? Well, from all the research I have done uh, and talking to people who are at games, players and, and uh, people who stood on silage pits and up the top of of uh, wind <laughs> bushes and, <laughs> standing on the back of trailers. Uh, Patrick Carroll, I think, is a start on their, t- on their PRC team of the week. Damien, he, he, had a, he had a fantastic game of full-back, just physically dominant against Bill Torbett. Um, I think he's got to go in there at number three. Yeah, I, I, I heard, and again, didn't see the game, but heard he was absolutely phenomenal in there. Um, but look, at, he, he, he's the captain of the defensive ship in, in Balagna, and it's in steady hands the whole time because he's he's so physically strong. He's still very athletic, and he's got that old head on 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 the shoulders too. So, um, yeah, phenomenal display. Bernard Gaffney deserves the nomination. Now he was he was wearing number six, Mark and Torlick Mooney, um, and had a very very good game on him. Probably won the battle overall. Scored a point. Held Torlick Mooney to a uh, sorry. Held Torlach Mooney to two points from open play, and both points were long range efforts, 45 meters out, very little you can do, and not too many forwards in the county would score them. So, uh, Bernard Gaffney, no matter where Torlach Mooney went, he went and, and marked them. So, 
at times Torlock was in on the inside line so he definitely deserves his nomination Mark Farley Jr as we mentioned for his performance against Johnny Leddy Donald Maguire who it turns out anybody listening to the Killing Care Butler's Bridge uh, commentary will would have thought that Mickey Brennan had the better of Donald Maguire it turns out Donald Maguire had Mickey Brennan in his pocket um, so we don't know how Mickey Brennan ended up with cramp because Donald carried him around the whole field in his <laughs> pocket Um Adam Heaslip, I thought, had a very good game for Bally Hayes um, in, in the back line. He was very good at coming out with possession of the ball, reading, intercepting, and then just carrying 50, 60 yards um, with, with possession of the ball for Bally Hayes. And Luke Cross, and phenomenal display against Fintan O'Reilly. Um, so I think the three that we're going for on this week's proactive risk control team of the week in the full-back line are Adam Heaslip from Bally Hayes, Patrick Butsy Carroll from Balanya and Luke Crossan from Killing Care. Any objections? No. Uh, motion motion carried. Motion carried. Half back line then. The nominations are Dylan Kiernan, Kiernan from McHugh, Shane Carlin from Knockbride, Liam Buchanan, McHugh, Shawnee O'Connor from Coot Hill, Benjamin Kelly from Templeport, and Niall Comey from Bailiborough. What have you heard on these ones? <sighs> I'll let you start off, Damien. I mean, like it's it's hard to get to get defenders for the team of the week sometimes when you're not getting around the games and you are relying on people to 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 send in nominations and give us accurate uh, accounts of of performances. I definitely would be pushing for Shane Carlin from that bride who had a really good game, came up and scored a point, um, lined out a wing back. Thought he did really well individually he did really well and I think it would be representative of the collective effort of the not bright defence I thought they were exceptional against a pretty sharp uh, much iconic forward line that includes Shane Hanley Kevin Hendrick um, uh, John McCabe back there and I thought they, they just totally closed them out so I thought Shane Carlin there was a couple of good performances on the not bright defence um, Connor Smith was really good in the corner as well but I, I'd, I think Shane Carlin's certainly worthy worth a nod there Right, well, the rest of them, um, the only one I didn't see was Benjamin Kelly, but um, he was nominated and, uh, and, and substantiated by the, the reporter that was at the game, said he, he had an excellent game for uh, Templeport, probably, unfortunately, in, in a one-sided affair, though. Um, Niall Comey, I thought, was very good for Bailiborough. Physically very strong, athletic, carries ball well, um, forced a number of turnovers against McHugh. I thought his, his overall energy was, was, was excellent Shawnee O'Connor against David Brady I thought he'd he done very very well Like physically Shawnee wouldn't be I'd say David Brady could have 6 inches on him or more um, but Shawnee's a terrier you know and, and I thought defensively he'd done well on David Brady um, and then when he came out and started to go forward I thought he, he was he was the best attacking option that Coot Hill had. Um, Liam Buchanan, though, for me, was was just top class. Um, I thought contesting a high ball in the middle of the field, out with Michael Argue, playing definitely more defensive role um, for Bally McHugh, sitting back in. Again, he, he's he's developed his defensive part of his game. Like Again, two blocks that come straight to memory that he... That he Produced like edge of the D or 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 inside the twenty meter line, um, and then the two points he scored 
at crucial stages, Balamacu needed them. He knew when to drive forward. He has that presence in a game that, and, and he showed it against Bailiabur that now's the time that, that the team really need me. I'll step up. And he does it time and time again. I, I personally think that's Liam Buchanan's best quality. Um, Dylan Cairn and the other player that was nominated at wing back, again, he's, he's very, very quick. The amount of times he was carrying ball out from the Balamacu defence up the sideline and boring away from Bailiborough players trying to chase back on him. Um, and he's, he's physically very strong as well. So a, a really good display by Dylan Kiernan. Um I'm going to nominate the, the, the half-back line this week to be Shane Carlin, Liam Buchanan at six, and Niall Comey from Bailiborough at seven. Any objections? No, I think that's, that's very fair. Okay, so in the middle of the field, we had five players nominated. Um, Fergal Flanagan, Butler's Bridge, Jason McMahon, Killing Care, John Fitzpatrick, Butler's Bridge, Roy Donoghue, Knockbride, and Peter Clerken, Bailiaborough. Um, Fergal Flanagan, although he started at centre-half back, went, the best he played was when he came out to the middle of the field. I thought a really, really good display. I was super impressed with Peter Clerken because he'd he, he done an awful amount of work that very few people would actually give appreciation for. It's the it's to throw your body on the breaking ball. It's to to maybe get in and hit a big shoulder on a man coming through. It's uh, it's just mopping up and constantly working around the field. Nothing that you go, wow, that's spectacular skill. But everything that you say, that's what you want in 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 level of effort, level of commitment to try and help the team just put his best foot forward for them. I thought I thought Peter Clerken deserves a huge nod there. Um, John Fitzpatrick. While in the middle of the field, I thought was was uh, quite quiet. I when he came into the game, that was the his five points were the the catalyst that pushed uh, Butlersbridge over the line. I thought he was phenomenal because five shots, five chances, uh, or five shots, five scores in in the dying stages, particularly in injury or in extra time, it showed um, it showed a level of composure, skill, athleticism that that. We've been talking about for years about him. Like he's, he's probably a makeshift midfielder for Butler's Bridge that they don't have natural midfielders. If he was in the forward line, he's he's probably the second best forward after Quevin in it. Um, and I thought he showed up brilliantly. And overall, Jason McMahon's um, Jason McMahon's dominance of the middle of the field up until the point that Fergal Flanagan came out to him. Um, I thought he he was absolutely excellent, and it was interesting when him and Fergal Flanagan went toe to toe. It was it was a hell of a battle to watch too. Yeah, I I don't think we could go too far wrong if we went with Jason McMahon and John Fitzpatrick Damien, both from the same game, and and both I think came away with huge credit. Uh, Jason from start to finish uh, never stopped working, and John Fitzpatrick just came up with classy scores when they were most needed. I agree. I think that's that's fair enough for the middle of the field. Half forward line. There was only four nominations came in for the half forward line. They were uh, Dylan Raythorn from Templeport, Quivin O'Reilly from Butler's Bridge, Quivin McGovern from Shannon Gales, and Reese Clark from Bailiaborough. Um, Quivin McGovern um, playing against Mahra. I, I understand he came off just after half time, but what, what did he finish with? I think he scored 110, uh, 1-7 of that coming from play. But again, there's probably a health warning that he scored it against Mahara, but the fact that he scored it in a short space of time 
it would have been interesting to see what he would have finished with because no doubt he would have added a lot to that tally. Like they brought on uh, Colm McLaughlin who scored two goals and I don't have the report in front of me. Someone else came on and scored uh, one three. So like it was an absolute uh, turkey shoot for, for the West Cavan men. Yeah, it seemed to be. Quivin O'Reilly, it's hard to argue um, making the team of the week. In fact, I don't think anybody would with, with his display. 1-8. Um, five, one five coming from open play, I think. Maybe one attacking mark in that as well. Um, Reese Clark again in the same light that I was talking about Liam Buchanan. Five points, um, for Baileyborough, but three of them coming at a crucial stage when Baileyborough could have gone out of the game, but he stepped up. He showed a captain's role, um, and 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 led by example. Like the, the range of scoring that he hits, he, like he's not he's not the biggest of men by any means, but he's got a beautiful strike of a ball and can execute the kick at while running at full speed. And his full speed is quick. So uh, Reese Clark, I thought was excellent, deserves it. There, I I think we'll go with the three, um, maybe in Dylan Raythorn, Quivian O'Reilly, and Reese Clark. Dylan Raythorn, a very good display apparently against Drummondy as well. Yeah, couldn't go wrong. So the full forward line then, we've got seven nominations for the three spots. Um, Adam Rehill from Mount Nugent, Tiernan Riley from Drung, Luke Gilsonen from Baileyborough, Stephen Smith, Bally Hayes, Philip Rogers from Knockbride, Owen McCaffrey from Templeport and Sean O'Kane from Drummalee. Um Owen McCaffrey finished with three goals and two points. Uh, Sean O'Kane, I think, finished with 1-4. Um, for Drummalee, two two very good displays there. Yeah, well, Sean Sean O'Kane took a quick free and stuck it in the net, caught the caught the defence napping, which is a sign of a good forward, a little bit of ingenuity there. And in fairness, you, you did highlight Sean O'Kane last week. You were saying that that he's he's a player that's starting to fulfil his potential. Oh, McCaffrey, I'm going to tot up what he has scored in the championship, but he's got he had got other goals before that. Um, yeah, he's becoming a, an unbelievable goal threat. And a very young player still under 19 at the minute, um, which was confirmed to me during the week. But as, as I said, very exciting, very hard to mark. Uh, extremely brave, actually. Somebody, one of the Drummley lads were saying, like for a smallish sort of a lad, he's, uh, he, he'll throw his head in where you know, a lot of boys wouldn't put their feet. He gets stuck in and that, he, he ends up taking advantage of the chaos that's created by him just throwing, him, throwing himself about. Um, he's very reactionary. When he when he jumps, when he makes a move, he, he seems to be the quickest to react to any situation. And that's a huge asset for an inside forward. So finishing with three twos a really impressive display. Yeah, um, I saw I was lucky enough to see Philip Rogers in the flesh for not bright against Monte Connacht up in Stone. <clears throat> this was a great display, Damien. I think again, you're talking you're talking about junior championship. So you can't read too much into it. But uh, I think having seen Philip Rogers playing with Calvin Miners a couple of years ago when back then like you, it was easy to pick out, you know, Oshin Pearson, Keen Madden, um probably Evan Fortune, Gary O'Rourke, James Smith, uh Ronan Patterson maybe. They, a lot, there was those few lads that were sort of picked out as the absolute stars of the future of that minor side. Um, but I, I actually felt at the time that Philip Rogers had as good a chance as any of making it through. He was fending forward in that team. I thought he was exceptional. Rory Corn was on as well and was another player that was earmarked. But Philip Rogers is a player that, that hasn't played a, a huge amount of football for Cavan since that. Um, 
like hasn't had a run Cavan haven't had a run like that in, in the under 20s or anything since and I thought he was an exceptional player and it was great to see that he was fit he was suffering from injuries he came on against Red Hills and looked really fit he looked, he's, in, he's in phenomenal shape uh, and then he, he played the full hour against Munch Connacht and he was he was a cut above everyone else on the field his, his pace his handling movement and he could have had five goals uh, the only thing he was missing was his finishing wasn't just uh, top notch on the day even though he took all the scores well and he kicked an attacking mark from way out on the wing finished with 2-4 and I was really really impressed with him yeah. So, so so much so that I actually going to the head now would call not right to win that championship because uh, I've seen them three times and they're a totally different side, side when he's playing than when he's not playing. Yeah, yeah, definitely sounds. He he he, he changed the game um, coming on in 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 Kings Pembroke last week. I thought so. Looking forward to seeing more of him. Um, Tiernan and Riley finished with two seven in Drung's uh, victory over. Uh, Mount Eugent and one of his scores was was one of the ones they got them over the line and score difference but um, a really good display there Adam Rehill finished with 2-5 for Mount Eugent in that same game um, Stephen Smith for Ballyhays phenomenal stuff at corner forward um, and the funny thing was he finished with 1-8 but he missed two or three scores early on that you'd, you'd have been chalking down you'd have been saying yeah that's a that's a score for Stephen Smith Um so now maybe wind conditions were were stronger than they looked, but Stephen is back to that sort of four or five years ago level where he picked up intermediate player of the year, and he looks like he's a uh, in in a forward line with Kevin Tierney and Martin Connolly and 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 David Brady. He still looks like he's the key forward um, for Bally Hayes. Luke Gilson in the final nominee there with one seven. Again, I, I, I'm super impressed with this guy. I thought his movement, his energy, his, his ability to win attacking marks, his free taking. Actually, and like Stephen Smith, he missed two frees um, at the weekend. And we'll hear from him talking about that. But I was told after the game, they're the first two frees he's missed in this year's league and championship. So that's gone now seven games. And he's only missed two frees and they both came at the weekend gone by. My um, God. That's some scoring. That's some that some crazy. conversion rate for a free taker. He's a really accurate player, like, and he's he's a, a player that got better and better as the years went on. Like, I I remember him uh, when he first broke into the Ballyhays team, and he he was nowhere near as good as what he what he turned into. But he worked really hard at his game, and just got both feet that they were both both feet are the exact same. He's equally comfortable on both, and he he makes good decisions, and he's he's a lesson to any player. Because he he wasn't a stellar underage player at all. I'd say he'd admit that himself, but he just worked so hard and he became I would say, and I remember discussing this with, with Barry Tierney once, he's probably the highest scorer in the history of Barry Hayes Club. Wow. Yeah. He has to be, because he's been playing yeah. I, I they would have had great players back in the day, of course, but Stephen has been playing for so long and scoring so much all the time. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, ph- phenomenal display. Um so I think we'll go with a full forward line of Tiernan Riley, 2-7 in, in Drung's making of the quarterfinal uh, with, their, with their victory over Manugent. Philip Rogers at full forward and Stephen Smith. Yep, sounds good, David. So that means this week's proactive risk control team of the week is Brian Clark from Killing Care in Golds, a full back line of Adam Heaslip from Ballyhays, uh, Patrick Butsy, Carroll from Balanya, and Luke Crossman from Killing Care. 
Halfback line of Shane Carlin from Knockbride, Liam Buchanan from Ballamacue, and Niall Comey from Baileyborough. In the middle of the field, it's Jason McMahon from Killingcare and John Fitzpatrick from Butler's Bridge. A half forward line of Dylan Raythorn from Templeport, Quivian O'Reilly from Butler's Bridge, and Reese Clark from Baileyborough with a full forward line of Owen McCaffrey, or sorry, of Tiernan Riley, um, Drung, Philip Rogers from Knockbride, and Stephen Smith from Ballyhay. So that's our proactive risk control team of the week. Get in contact with us for your nominations for the proactive risk control player of the week. Uh, we'll be announcing that on the Die Hard service later on in the week over on patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan. Um, that's all that we have time for on this week's McAvoy's Super Value GEA podcast. Uh, thanks a million for tuning in. Don't forget later on on the weekend coming, we'll be covering with live, full live free commentary of all four of the College Craft Bakery Junior Championship quarterfinals. So um, you'll get that on the, uh, our social media. You'll see the link to the Mixelor page there where you can hear that full live free commentary of all four games this weekend. Paul, thanks for joining me. No bother, Damien. We have to do the our recap of the of the Junior Championship as well, Damien. Don't forget, so that'll, uh, you better let people know about that one. That's right. That'll be on the Die Hard service as well. And we'll be doing our predictions um, for the weekend's quarterfinals on the Die Hard service, as well as looking back over the ladies' finals um, in Kingspan Breffney with Aideen Coyle and with a reaction from the victors lacking at senior level. And we'll also be, um, we'll also be previewing the intermediate final this weekend, uh, which we'll see Drumlane, or sorry, which we'll see uh, Castle Randen take on is it Drumlane or Bailieborough? It's Drumlane. It's Drumlane. Drumlane. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that all on the Die Hard service on, uh, over on patreon.com forward slash we are Calvin.